0: A rich man's world, I have turned song of this land, but a rich man's world. Hello and welcome to the Women's Cycling Weekly Podcast. Uh, I'm Amy and with me is Tilda, as always. Hi Tilda, how are you doing? Good morning, Amy. I'm okay, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I feel like I said that in such like a wooden, I was like, hello Tilda, how are you? But anyway,
1: I can use it's quite you. early.
0: Yeah, put him on best newsreader voice on. Uh, this week, we do not have a guest. Whose job is it to book guests? Fire them. Oh,
1: it's both of us. <laughs> but there are more important things happening this week.
0: That's true. There's quite a big um, deal in the women's cycling world in the form of the Tour de France route reveals. So that's what we're going to be mainly talking about today um but first up let's just quickly take you through the kind of main headlines from the week so obviously yeah the tour de france 2023 route has been revealed more on that later um it starts in the middle somewhere and goes south we'll go into more detail i actually have forgotten it finishes in power that's all i can remember tilda you can help oh. me out on that later Po, there we go ruined it already let's get that right okay <laughs> Po, that's giving telly-tubbies for me. Um <laughs> anyway, elsewhere, um unfortunately European cyclocross champion Lucinda Brand is out of action for quote an unknown time um after she fractured her hand in course practice at the Tabor World Cup last weekend, which is quite sad um because she is one of the main animators of the cyclocross races. But as Tilda wrote about um, last week for the additional content, um, there's plenty more riders out there to make the races exciting. And most of them are literal babies. So it's, yeah. (laughs) Um, And also we've got a newly crowned Afghan national champion in the form of Fariba Hashimi, and she's going to join Israel Premier Tech, Roland. Just I Roland. Think so. Israel Premier Tech, Roland. Okay. Uh, anyway, so she's going to be riding for them. So she's going into the World Tour for 2023. Um, the race was actually held in Switzerland. Um, we put a few articles about all of that in previous issues. So if you want to go back and find out more about why that is and what's going on. So speaking of cross and all that, Mario Navas, World Tech Cross champion and general legend, uh has got another title in the form of the Dutch gravel championships which she won at the weekend and we're gonna see her in action at her first like, cross world cup this weekend in somewhere in holland uh, <laughs> it's just, i know it's it, the, it's the one that we can't it, say Marsh
1: Mechelen or something like that. yeah yeah we tried <laughs> we just won't
0: um, say that but actually spicy uh Blanca Vass beat her during the week uh, at one of these kind of, I think it was a C2 or C1 level mm. race that happened at nighttime. time. looked pretty fun actually, but yeah, she was out sprinted by Blanca Vass. So big up the, the young guns. Um, and finally some good news. Amy Peters has been able to walk for the first time since her really awful life-changing crash um, that happened last December on a training camp. So her rehabilitation in the Netherlands is is going in the right direction, so hopefully she continues to improve. Um, and that's the news of the week.
1: Have I missed anything, Tilda? I don't think so, but I still can't believe how much news there is. I, I was thinking this this week. Like, I remember last year we went down to the newsletter only fortnightly after the end of the season, but this year, like, it's full of stuff every week still. So So true. We actually did. I forgot about that because
0: yeah, we were like scraping the barrel. Hey, we were like, there's nothing to say. Mm, I'm not sure if we went so hard on cyclocross though. Did we?
1: Perhaps not. Perhaps not. But yeah, there's Mm. there's just so much out there to read and uh, keep up with at the moment. Yeah, cyclocross and otherwise. So must mean something, eh? It
0: definitely does mean something. Answers on a postcard as to what that actually is. (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about the 2023 Tour de France firm AVEC Zwift route uh what are your initial thoughts Tilda
1: well I've had a little bit of time to formulate some thoughts because you know we had quite a few rumors brewing this week before the actual announcement um and I wrote a big story on cycling news yesterday about kind of analyzing the route and overall I think on paper which is all we have to go off at the moment it looks pretty good um it's a good mixture of stages we've got a little bit of of everything again like we had last year um we've got this really big mountain stage the climbing is kind of arranged a little bit differently like last year there was kind of only minor climbing until the weekend and then there was two huge days of well Annemiek van Vluten would say they weren't mountains but you know they're back to back really big climbs and hills um and this year it's kind of spread out slightly differently. So there's some there's some kind of medium climbing earlier in the week, and then it kind of culminates on one big climb instead of two days of like back to back climbing. Which I think um, is kind of a conscious choice from the organisers. Marion Roos has been saying that they think the last two stages last year are a bit too hard. So kind of spreading out in that way is good, and hopefully it should give us a slightly more interesting uh, general classification battle. The one thing I think we're maybe lacking is actually the sprinters might be looking at this and thinking there's not that many options for them. There's kind of two proper flat finishes and one could definitely be a breakaway. So there's kind of not very many options for them. And with a really big mountain at the weekend, anyone wanting to go for the green Jersey is going to be like thinking, Oh my God, I've got to get through a lot. So yeah, but I I think overall it's very well-rounded. There's opportunities for lots of different types of riders and um, the GC, yeah, will be interesting until one rider just throws away on the tourmalade and wins. So, yeah. What do you think, Amy? Who's that rider? I couldn't possibly guess who that rider <laughs> might be. <laughs> do you think,
0: I don't know, do you think we're all being a bit defeatist and negative about that? Like, or do you think it's actually just a fact that, you know,
1: she's um,
0: an she's going to do what she does?
1: I think it's a fact. And also, like, I... I think we've had this conversation a lot of times in a lot of different contexts. I know we've spoken about the tour. Like, it's not. I don't mean it to be disparaging that the fact that oh, she's just going to ride away and win. It's like, but she will because she's she is the best climber and the best overall rider. And like, there's no point trying to pretend she isn't. I don't think. And also, it's her last season and her last tour and the first time, the first and only time she'll get to win a tour stage slash a Tour de France. On one of the iconic stages of the men's race, like I can imagine, she's already looking at this as like her number one thing for next season. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, given that if she's if she's healthy and in shape, there is just no one who has both the form or motivation to um to beat her. So, yeah, I think it's it's not a foregone conclusion in a negative way, but that is kind of the narrative that we very much expect to happen.
0: Yeah, no, I think you can acknowledge how her attacking style and how she's just going to get heaps of time on that climb kind of nullifies the GC and makes it boring without disparaging her and just acknowledging how much of a talent she is and how good she is. Like, it's not, it is true that like the way she races and rides does often make races a little bit boring, but that's, not her problem really
1: no, it, no
0: it's like you know she's obviously going to do that if she's capable of doing it like what do we want her to what's the alternative like that she hangs back and just kind of pretends that she's not as strong as she is um but yeah you do sort of feel for the likes of you know like Demi Bollarin like the image of the elastic snapping on her and both the tour and like another one that stands out for me was the uh, Sarah it Challenge um where she was kind of like hanging on again until just she just her head like dropped she was just clearly like so over just getting her head kicked in by Annemiek and you could say like oh yeah you know she'll be motivated by that and she'll do whatever she can but I'm sure she did that this year too and there's I don't think there's any preparation any other rider can do that's gonna make them able to match or be anime kind of climb like the Tormolo. I just don't
1: no and I don't uh I'm try- trying to think back to kind of uh Demi's what Demi's thoughts and feelings were after the tour and I don't think she had any kind of feeling that she could have done more or wasn't in good shape like she was in the best form of her life and second it was like that's the fact of the matter but the other thing that I also kind of always want to point out to people is like next year is Annemiek van Royten's last year and then after that we're going to be in a very different situation because below her everyone is pretty well matched at the moment and Demi Voller is what 25 26 like we have a lot more years of riders like Demi and Cecily at Tripp Ludwig and everyone like that being at the top of their game with no van Royten to worry about so I think you know We can we can accept one more year of slightly boring racing and then we're gonna be in a in a rather different scenario.
0: Exactly. And it doesn't also take away from the rest of the race. Like the rest of the race is still gonna be like this year too. Like, you know, like yes, the GC was completely kind of done and dusted by stage seven. Everyone was pretty dejected at the top of that climb. But the rest of the we weren't sat there going like, oh, the whole race has been so rubbish because of this. Like there were so many exciting stages before that. Like, you know, even the kind of the battle that was going on behind was still exciting. Like riders stood out. It was great to see. Just the event itself is enough of a spectacle to kind of cancel out any any disappointment at the fact that the GC is not going to be the most exciting thing in the world and on that what
1: do we think of the time trial yeah the time trial I like the fact there is a time trial 100% and I think a lot of the riders will especially you know yeah Ellen Van Dykes and Joss Loudon's of the peloton who love the time trial and were calling for one last year but I think there are going to be some people unhappy about it coming on the last day, the day after the tourney, um, because it just means that it, it it is very much like a GC time trial, if that makes sense. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the stories will be about that more so than who might win. And also, everyone's everyone who's not a climber is going to be exhausted after having their legs blown off yesterday, so they might not be in kind of the top time trial form that they want to be in um so yeah it's it's not going to be necessarily the kind of powerful riders shoving off their time trial skills at the top of their game like they might want it to be um but at the same time I think it kind of makes sense for the race and it'll be an interesting way for it to finish. Um, a slightly more chilled way for us as journalists, rather than being on the top of a mountain and have, having to come down for press conferences, it'll be a bit more straightforward. Um, and I think, you know, there can be some jeopardy and, and it's shown in the men's talk of ours, they've, they've kind of really got into this idea of this uh, final, well, for them, penultimate stage time trial. So I think it kind of works. I, I think in a in a race like this, you... You you either have to have the time trial as the first stage or the last stage. And I think on balance for this route, it, it works being the last stage.
0: Yeah, I think they were really trying to go for that um last minute jeopardy, like in the men's tour when it was um podge and roj battling it out on that last podge date. and roge. That's their name? I, I always say, say pog and Rog. Oh. Fuck's sake. Why can't I <laughs> pronounce anything? Pog and Rog. <laughs> No, okay, anyway, those guys, Again. who are they anyway? We don't talk about them. Um, last day, like time gap was tight, blah, 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 but it's just not gonna happen, is it? This one. Like, it's just not gonna be like that. And like you say, like everyone's gonna be knackered. Like, even the die hard time trial people, which side note, I heard Ned Bolton describe time trialists as the accountants of cycling, and it's so true. <laughs> um they're not even going to be, like, on the best form to be, you know, in this. Like, I almost think it would be better off earlier in the race, like, even, like, as a prologue. But anyway, we're not going to rearrange the course already. Um, But also hadn't thought about the fact it makes our life easier. Love that. Mm. Love that for us.
1: I think um my growing opinion on this is that uh the race just needs to be longer if they want to fit all these things in, like – if you want sprints and medium stages and huge amount of stages and a time trial, your options are pretty limited if you're trying to fit that within eight days. Because imagine it was, you know, nine days or ten days and you had a time trial on the opening weekend. It wouldn't even necessarily have to be the opening day, but, like, early on. Yeah. Um. Like, this is kind of how the Jiro usually do it. That kind of makes a lot more sense. But also I do like the idea that we don't usually see, like, a last-minute GC deciding a time trial in women's races because you know, it's usually at the start of races as a prologue so it is interesting to see it um, in that position in the race and I'm sure the GC riders will be, you know, Anna van must be happy about it but Ellen van Dijk is probably sitting there thinking, oh, I wanted a time trial so I could <laughs> go out there and win it, not so I could race it with like empty legs.
0: Yeah, Anna Meek's rubbing her hands together at this, like... <laughs> Because, and the thing is, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation wherein, like, there aren't that many time trials in the Women's World Tour and not in stage races, really. Like, if there are, they're kind of super short prologues or, you know, there's rarely, like, a decent length time trial as part of a stage race. And therefore, a lot of the GC riders, like, the main GC contenders aren't really known for their time trialing. kind of, I don't know, Could you say whether or not you think, like, you know, Demi or Kasia or Cecilia are particularly notable time trialists? Like, I wouldn't have a clue.
1: No, I think Demi is the best out of them. But yeah, if you think about riders like Cassia and Cecily, and, you know, even chucking in like Marta and Juliette Lebu, like, they're not riders that you think of as, as time trialists. And again, not to be always comparing it to men's cycling, but that's a big difference between women's and men's cycling is that all the best GC riders on the men's side are also good time trialists. And that just hasn't translated because they aren't usually GC races. They're these like prologues um, that aren't, you know, if it's five kilometres, it doesn't matter if you lose a few seconds because it's not that big of a deal. Um, So, yeah, I think it's kind of, will be interesting to see how this continues and how it affects like GC riders of the future, because if Cassian Uvidoma, for example, wants to repeat her podium, she can't be losing 30, 40 seconds on that final uh time trial.
0: Yeah, she's got to get a time trial on. She's got to get practicing. They all have, I guess. I guess that's the thing is that r- the route's been released now and they c- they have time to kind of work on those skills. I don't know if that's enough time to, like, drastically improve your time trialing. I... Like, I genuinely don't know. I've never mm. tried. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it just kind of plays... I think that just even more than the tourmalade possibly plays into Annemiek's hands because let's not forget she is a former world and current Olympic time trial champion. Um, this is right in her, her, like, territory. It's her strong point. So, yeah. But apart from these two... Animate Van Lutten stages. What else have we got going on? There's no gravel this year, which I'm actually a little bit sad about. Not that there yeah. has to always be gravel.
1: Yeah, not necessarily gravel, but just like something a little yeah, bit, a little spicy. spicy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't. I I'm aware that there's not really cobbles in the middle of France and the southwest, <laughs> but you know, something a little bit out there. But no, unfortunately, we're sticking to the tarmac this year. There's kind of no like often in grand tours you have one kind of novelty stage I want to say like we had that the champagne gravel stage last year and this year that they're, they're all pretty straightforward and normal pedestrian is you know fine um I really like the opening stage you know I think they've gone pretty bold on that stage uh it starts and finishes in Clermont-Ferrand um and it's it's kind of a boring beginning nice and flat and then it gets a little bit bumpy and then you have um with 10k from the finish a two kilometer seven percent climb and then it's kind of a descent back into the town for the finish so I think that could be interesting it's going to be pretty explosive over the top of that and then there's something about me I-, I love when they like have to really race on a descent I know some people say it's really dangerous but <laughs> I think it's exciting you know so it's part of racing you know yeah exactly yeah and the opening stage is always a kind of a big one because the yellow jersey is there and it's the first time to gain or lose time so I think that one will be really good and if you're a rider who's kind of like a kind of in between punchy rider those are the riders that are probably looking at this course and thinking oh I like I like the way this is looking because there are a lot of chances to be aggressive and attacking when you don't necessarily have to be the best climber in the world. I'm thinking stage five as well into Albie. Um So yeah, kind of riders like maybe Lotte Capecchi type riders. Um, of course, Mariana Voss, if she wants to win a few more stages. So yeah, I think I'm almost more excited for the non climbing stages this year. Whereas last year i definitely wasn't feeling that about kind of stages one two three four and six the non gravel stages or climbing stages they were a little bit fine you know Mm. well except Eponé that was good but the rest of them I was like right yeah this could be whatever.
0: Eponé was the one with the steep climb to the finish Mm -hmm. see that one yeah that was a good one and the circuit around the finish as well I love that circuit. No I agree I think these are going to be and I suppose like going into this year's race we didn't really like see like it's hard to get excited about these like in between type stages anyway but then some of them did turn out to be like the most exciting ones of the race um also just like so good to see marina voss wearing the yellow jersey and i hope that she can pull off the first stage and we see that again just because i don't know it just works it (laughs) makes sense but yeah that i think you're right like it's a good opener to have that stage actually side note what do you think about the fact that it's kind of gone for from being in tandem with the men's race in terms of been fin- starting where they finish in Paris and kind of like picking up where the height of that race left off to like already in its second year going its own way completely
1: yeah I really wasn't expecting that to happen so quickly to be honest um I, I- i thought it would happen because it's so limiting um having to start in paris because paris is not near anything good right um but i don't think i was expecting it to happen this year because i was i thought they would like you know want to keep it attached to the men's race a bit to build a little bit of um hype around that and then move away once it kind of had that basis but they clearly think that it's going to be okay to go this year um and i I think it you know I think overall it's a good thing because it it opens up so many more opportunities you can go wherever you want, and it means that already in the second year they're reaching the Pyrenees, which we thought wouldn't necessarily happen in the first few years um but it is also true that there was it the fact of it starting in Paris on the same day as the men's race like it did achieve what they wanted it to achieve it had this huge hype and it won't be the same now that it's um, not there. But at the same time, most of Tour de France, like if we talk about uh, engagement and audience, it's people on television, right? So it doesn't necessarily matter that it's not in the same place because I assume they'll make them so the stages don't overlap because the men's stage is usually in the evening and the women's will be in the daytime. So in terms of, you know, if you're thinking about sitting down to watch GCN, they're going to have whole day's program starting with the women's race and then the men's race it doesn't matter to those viewers that uh it's not in the same geographical location because it is. it is still overlapping
0: yeah yeah I'm a bit like conflicted like a bit torn about um it not going and going to Paris or as much as like obviously it logistically makes sense I was al- almost expecting the same start and then like a really long transfer somewhere mm-hmm. um but part of me is like fully like it should go its own way like good for them but then also like the thing is with it is that it is the Tour de France and like I don't I'm not one of these people who's like no women's cycling needs to be completely different to men's cycling like we shouldn't follow any of the same like patterns and races like because it's still sep- it's still a separate thing it's still got its own like protagonists. it's the, a different kind of racing but like the history of the sport like inevitably like it's just a, the truth that it's kind of being formed by men's races but that doesn't mean that women should just have like a completely different calendar because the structure of the sport is based around these races like the Tour de France, Paris-Roubaix and all the classics and that sort of thing and I think like not the women's race not being able to kind of like experience that because it's such hallowed ground for cycling the Champs-Élysées is a bit of a shame. But then obviously, you know, we did have it this year and hopefully in the future, like, when the race gets longer and it's more established, like, there can still be that, that link somewhere. But it is interesting. It will be interesting to see, like, if the pickup from the back of the men's race is the same this next time as it was this year, because I do think that, like, it was this really... The narrative of it was like this sequence where like the men's race finished people still wanted to watch the tour de france like i mean god knows what's wrong with people that they can watch four weeks of racing than on the trot um but they wanted to watch more and then the women's race was happening and then that's why but i think actually with it being the tour de france it it, it only takes one year to establish itself and i think people will be like having watched it this year oh yeah the women's tour de france and they will still watch it even if it's not like totally linked to the
1: men's race does that make sense i don't know if i just made
0: any sense at all
1: no i think that definitely does make sense and also you know, i was reading in some of the press stuff yesterday that by starting in clermont Ferrand, which is also hosting like some middle stages of the men's tour like they're still trying to like have some link and overlap and again like finishing in poe there's also a men's stage in Poe so I think in some ways there are like actually more links this year because last year I think very much a lot of the towns that the race was visiting like were never featured in the men's race and were not recognizable and things like this whereas now you know places like Rodez and Poe and the Tournament Lake it's kind of in that sense links to the history of the race a little bit more um but it doesn't have that kind of inextricable inextricable link uh, with the first stage. I think one thing I'd like to see would be like, this is my master plan is like, if the women's race kind of continued starting on on the final weekend of the men's race, but say it started on Friday or Saturday in the same place that they were, which is usually the Pyrenees or the Alps. I know this year that they're finishing in the Vosges, but usually it's kind of one of those two mountain ranges. And, you know, maybe they could have, both have a time trial on on the Saturday and then kind of go their separate ways. And then you're already starting somewhere which is much more practical geographically. But you do still have the kind of here, this is kind of like handing over the torch from the men's race to the women's race. Because yeah, although Paris, like we shouldn't be shaping everything around the men's, but yeah, the kind of the symbolic handing over the torch on like the most iconic road in cycling, that was a big moment. And I think it did help kind of kick off the momentum for the race
0: yeah exactly no I like that idea the time trial yeah because mm. I, yeah I do think there has to be it, it's just it's just the truth that men's racing has a much bigger audience and if women's can piggyback from that I actually don't see the issue but that's a wider thing to talk about I guess but like
1: but yeah it's, it's there to take advantage of like Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be used as like a stick to beat women's cycling with or like a box to put it in. But if you can take advantage of this huge audience that's there and could be persuaded to like move over to women's cycling, like that is what we need to do. Like, and there are much more, the whole audience of the men's Tour de France is a much more better target than like, okay, we need to like attract random people who aren't already cycling fans. Like, you may as well start with people that you know are already into the sport. On the flip side of that, though, a lot of people watch the Tour de France
0: who don't ordinarily watch other races. So, like, I mean, my dad's an example. Like, he will never watch – he doesn't even really know what, like, paris is, but he watches the Tour de France every single year and he watches the women's Tour de France, whereas he wouldn't watch a women's, like, Amstel Gold race, you know? Like, I don't know why I use that as an example. Um, So you also, with the Tour de France, you get this kind of, like – um what's the word it, you get the audience that just kind of like might stumble o- across it like oh yeah it's cycling the tour de france like it's that household name to use that classic phrase so you do get this kind of mix because i think also the people the people that are harder to convince coming over from the men's side potentially are the die-hard fans who are just like no, this why is wild or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're yeah. like, um, this isn't exactly the same as the racing I'm used to watching, so I don't want to watch it. Um, whereas if he gets someone who's like a bit of a blank slate, then they might just pick up women's racing and be like, yeah, this is exciting, whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah and I, I think also, I c- it kind of made me think just that, like um, this year in the UK. So obviously, most people in the UK, like your dad who watched the tour, watching on ITV probably because it was free to air and this year ITV didn't have the rights to the women's race but they did uh, cover the race in their um, show on the final day they interviewed, I think they interviewed Lorena um, and it was kind of talked about as if as if like, you know, like that's happening now they spoke about in commentary, this happened earlier in the day, it was kind of made aware to that audience that is a slightly different thing from the commentators sitting there and saying oh yeah and by the way 300 miles away in Clermont-Ferrand the women's race is also happening but we don't have anything to bring you from that like so it does also kind of help from practical reasons and and there's kind of more overlap like everyone was covering that first stage because everyone was already there whereas the press room was so full yeah
0: And they had free bananas and then the next day the free bananas were gone.
1: Yeah, whereas this year we're going to start off with no free bananas and it will be just the kind of women's cycling press, which, again, it is good that we're establishing our own uh, little niche, but also the fact that that one day was like massive and broadcast to the whole world and covered by all the biggest cycling journalists was undeniably uh, a benefit to the race. Yeah,
0: for sure. Side note: I hope it is. Um, I hope ITV or somebody picks up in the UK and makes it free to air. Because
1: I hope so. I really hope so.
0: Yeah, I think otherwise it's one of those again because it's free to air. The, the, because the men's tour is free to air, there's like the same audience is not the same one who's signing up for like GCN Plus, for example, mm. like because they only watch the tour. So anyway, that's a bit of a bit of Different a rabbit question. hole. <laughs> um, Yeah. What else have we got to say about The route, Or shall we take a look at what some of the writers have to say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Meek is bullshit. She's loving it. It's all about, like, it's just what she wants. It's a big climb. It's a time trial. Even on stage two, like we were saying, I think, off mic before we started recording, you were saying, like, she could potentially sneak a little bit of an advantage on that stage if people aren't careful. If she catches Demi et al. sleeping, she'll be off.
1: Yeah, we kind of hope that that's not what's going to be what's happened and that, and that will be a day to kind of kick off the GC without ha- someone getting a lot of time. But this is Adam Van voyton who loves to attack on the first climb. So.
0: Yeah. She says also that she's not scared of those early stages because there was a lot of, I mean, she was first of all she was ill this year at the start of the race which how you go from being so ill that you're getting like spat out the back to winning the entire race i mean i think the the structure of the stages was to her benefit there this year um but then again it's the same this year um but yeah she was obviously bricking it a little bit about the gravel stage any gc rider was like you could lose it it was one of those days where you say, You can't win the Tour de France today, but you can mm-hmm. lose it. Um which we saw like Mavi Garcia so have a mare. Um yeah. So yeah, she's not scared. Um she said it will be hard and sometimes hard to control. So I will also need my team. But that in the end is also the Tour de France, also the Tour de France. Um normally
1: her team. I would need my team. <laughs>
0: Funny because, like, you don't really associate her with having the backup of a super strong team, but this well, next year she's got two new henchwomen in the mountains, mm. or in the she's got Fortune Mackay and Leanna lippett so that'll be interesting actually to see how they flank her on those stages.
1: Yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? Is that we, we uh Talk all about Anna and whether she'll be strong enough. But she's got even even an even stronger team than she had last year. So her chances are possibly even better on a course that suits her even better. So mm-hmm. again, she's just gonna win, isn't she? If she doesn't, <laughs> I'll be very surprised.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then of the formulae, she also said that for her, it's important to have um climbs like that because the uh, men have climbs like that, which you know, fair enough. And then she said, it's high altitude and it also suits me quite well, which, yes, naturally. And but you know is... what? I can't be asked with saying that Belleville was not in the mountains because <laughs> tell that to me who nearly broke my neck walking down. And yeah, and also, we how many times did we have to like stop to have a breather <laughs> when we were walking up to the top? It's actually embarrassing. Yeah. That was a mountain. I'm sorry, Annamie.
1: <laughs> but this is the woman who said that Ideally she'd wants she wants to race Abduez. So, you know, her, her ideas of mountains are above ours, perhaps.
0: Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's yeah, very true. We are not anywhere near here physiologically. And if we were, we would be racing in the tournament <laughs> so, instead of walking up it. Like, oh Anyway. Uh yeah, not much else to say really about what Annamite reckons like. Obviously, she's loving it. Obviously, she's rubbing her hands together about the tourmalade she's rubbing her hands together about the time trial she she circled it 50 times in red on her calendar
1: yeah
0: who else who else has said their piece
1: um well demi from her holidays sent it sent out a little video oh, where everyone. is she she's in italy oh lovely a very lovely time yes nice so a lot of people were not at the tour presentation because there's more important things to do in the off-season. But yeah, Demi said... Um, well, everyone's usually quite non-commissal about this, aren't they? But she was mm-hmm. pretty positive about it. Um She was saying it might be more exciting because there's only one big mountain stage instead of two, like last year. Again, she also likes the addition of a time trap. Uh, and again, like a lot of riders, they are already thinking about those first stages because if we, if we think this year that the, the opening stages though not extremely hard, were pretty hectic um, and tense in the peloton, throw in some difficult climbs and you, you, you're kind of asking for more trouble. So, yeah, they're kind of already thinking about that. But, yeah, she said she can't wait to go and recon the tourmal. Do you think we'll see, actually,
0: um, riders like her and the other GC contenders be a bit more conservative with how they race the first, like, six stages of the race, just because they'll know that they've just got this kind of one opportunity to make sure they don't lose, like, a ridiculous amount of time to Anamique on the Tourmalet. Um, uh, um,
1: I think Demi and Anamique would ideally like to do that. But the flip side of that is that you have riders like... Cassio Nivedoma, who knows she's going to lose a lot of time on the tourmalade, would just be like, well, fuck it. I will I will attack on stage 2 because this is where I can attack and take time. Um, And so, yeah, Demi and Annemiek would probably rather just have a more chill start, but riders like Cassio are thinking you know, also Elisa Lungobor-Ghini. Like, they will just attack because they know that the tourmalade is not for them. So if they want to have any chance at uh you know winning a heavy stage or getting some time that they have to go then. So yeah, I think unfortunately there's too much interest in kind of animating a stage regardless of what that kind of means overall. Um so they will take the opportunities where they come.
0: Yeah, I think for the likes of them, they'll I, I think if you ask them like, would you rather be third overall or win a stage? I think winning a stage comes with more Prestige, more of a especially for someone like Cassia, who doesn't often get the opportunity to win or kind of finds she's it's evaded her it so far like a big, big win. So I think, yeah, they'd sort of see this route and and change their tack from GC to stage hunting, maybe. So yeah. which is good. It's good for us watching and writing and talking about it. So
1: yeah, it is. Um speaking of Cassia one of the only riders who has actually ridden the tourmontaine is her teammate Elise Chabe. Oh. Interestingly, she said she doesn't remember very much of it, but it was very hard. So <laughs> <that's> good insight. <laughs> it's about I mean I don't know like I'm not a mountains nerd, but for some context it's kind of a it's kind of a climb that should take an hour, an hour 15, it's quite a long climb. Oh, my um, god, okay. Did you see who the current Strava Queen of the Mountains holder is? No, I saw
0: your notes,
1: but I actually yes. didn't go and look. Uh, is it,
0: do you want me to guess?
1: Yeah, I guess it, it correctly. Someone asked yeah. me, is it? it and I was positive. like,
0: no. Is it, I mean, I want to say anime, but no, it's obviously not actually. No, weird.
1: it was set um, in 2014 for, that's a clue. Emma Pooley. Emma Pooley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she did it in fifty-nine fifty-four or something like that. So yeah. Wow. Okay. It's it's you know, that kind of puts in context it's it's a very long climb. Um, but also that's an interesting benchmark to see how fast they will do it in this tour because we are eight years deep into women's cycling since then. Uh very true. So.
0: Although she was an unbelievable climber. She was, she was. still. Um wow. Yeah, okay. That is a long climb mm-hmm. so yeah at least she'll be uh she'll be all right until she won't
1: on that one she's
0: <laughs> not really noted for a pure no, climbing no. skills
1: yeah it, it is interesting already starting to think about because this is the one thing that the Tour de France uh throws up is uh balancing interests because there are stages for everyone it means that within teams they will have to bring people for different interests like thinking about Demi she'll want to do x y and z but she'll probably have Lorena Vibis on her team and also Lotta Becky. uh so how they kind of balance all those things will be very interesting and what riders like Elise Chabé get to do when they have riders like Cassio going for the overall it's a lot to think about
0: so true actually about SD works like they almost have like too many cooks like mm-hmm they're going to have to bring a decent lead out train for Lorena Weavers, but they're also, yeah, they've got, I mean, I suppose Kopecky would form part of that herself and then she'll go for stages, but then, then Demi is going to need some good support in her GC. I mean, I suppose the men's teams do this all the time in terms of balancing like GC. Actually, no, that's not true. They don't do
1: that really. You usually have like a sprint team or a GC team. Yeah, and I, I think because there are a lot more stages that it is less... Because even, you know, they have eight riders in a team and already you will look at a men's team and if they're trying to balance sprints and GC, you do tend to think, oh, that's hard because you've only got eight riders to play with. We've now only got seven and you've got to throw in the idea of like the punchy in between stages that that a lot of women cyclists, that's what they do. So how teams are going to balance this? Like Esty works, like it's just, like you say, they're kind of hoisted by their own petard. They're being too strong. They've got too many options. How the hell are they going to balance all of that? Because if you want Demi to podium, you've got to give her some support. But if you want to win stages with Lorena, like she can't do that all by herself. So how you balance that all, I don't know.
0: She can't do it all by herself, but she kind of also wouldn't. <sighs> she does uh, what? I mean, this is a complete tangent now, but I'm very excited to find out how much of Zorina Weber's success was from that DSM lead-out train mm-hmm. and how much of it was just all her kind of pure speed. Because while I do think that she is still, again, I will die on this hill, she is the only pure sprinter in the women's peloton, but she was the only pure sprinter in the women's peloton with a proper, well-drilled lead-out team.
1: Lead-out yeah. team, lead-out and, and not like two or three riders, but like five riders, right? Yeah, yeah. But so, she won't have at SD works, she won't have uh, it won't be four or five riders, it'll be two or three, three again. Three at
0: most, yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, elsewhere, Marta Cavalli, I mean, talk about Demi Vollerin kind of coming back with a vengeance to to kind of face anime. Marta Cavalli's got like the biggest um bone to pick with the race, mm. I guess, after her. um. Unfortunate exit last year, and she said, Last year has already forgotten. I want to come back. And she says she's uh, looking forward to the tourmalet. And actually, if anyone's got any business looking forward to the tourmalet, she's aside from Manamique, she's one of those better contenders
1: for that, I think. Yeah, and she's kind of an, uh, because of what happened last year, she's a bit of an unknown quantity in the mountains of the Tour de France. Um, but if we look at the Giro, she was doing very well there. So I'm super excited, and I and I would love to see her kind of given proper backing from FDJ. Um, Cecily has had the best year this year. It's time for Marta, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I almost see them divided because you know we saw Cecily win the stage this year, and and she kind of although she's obviously a really good GC rider and a good climber, she could they could sort of divide it into you know. Cecilia, you go for stages like you did in 2022, and we're all in for Marta on the Tourmalet stage for GC. If they've got any sense, I think that's how they'd be dividing the roles in that team. Um, but, that, yeah, TBD, I guess, on that one. Um,
1: any other notable reactions? Anything else to say? I don't think so. I think, yeah, that, uh, there was a lot of quotes and stuff that came out yesterday, and not all of it super super interesting but generally everyone seems pretty pretty positive about it it was definitely a big uh, I refrained from writing this in the article I wrote but it had a little bit of like you know the difficult second album vibe about it right like, you <laughs> gotta get this right last year it wasn't the perfect course but it was good and it did make a good race overall um so yeah they kind of had a lot to match this year and I feel like they went big and bold and it looks it looks good to me
0: yeah yeah I think so too I think the thing is too like I mean one thing about me is that I'm terrible at looking at a course and like a profile and just being like oh yeah that's going to be interesting or that's like or even predicting who's going to win it like I would just rather get there see what's going to happen in the right like see who's on form at the time like I mean let's be real it's October this is going down next July if I'm honest Come February, I'll have forgotten almost every detail about this race, and I'll have to remind myself um but what it has done i'm I'm excited about the race again I'm excited for for cycling again at a time when I was probably just ready to like forget about road racing for a little bit so yeah, I think regardless like the courses you can analyze the course you can which we literally just did until the cars come home, but like as in, you can kind of agonize over what stage is going to bring what but at the end of the day you don't actually know and that's what we like about cycling so yeah we will see I guess
1: yes indeed Um, I already can't wait
0: yeah we'll be there I mean who knows just like you can't say that is definitely going to win you can't say (laughs) we're definitely going to be there but we'll do our best
1: that's the thing looking at it and thinking I'm thinking oh I'm going to go to all these places just wildly assuming that I will be there but you know of course we are going Why to be not?
0: there. Women Cycling Weekly is going to be there. If we exactly. don't get commissioned by anybody else, we're sending ourselves <laughs> it's closer to home for me as well, actually. So thanks for that, everyone. Thanks, Marion Ruse. It's going to be good, I think. And, again, let's just park this now, forget about it <laughs> until next year because, realistically, there's a lot more going on right now. <laughs> but uh, it's nice. It's nice to have a little taste of, like, the Tour de France in July in the middle of October um so yeah let us know what you think if you like this course if you absolutely hate it if you're looking forward to seeing Anna Meek, wave goodbye to everybody at the bottom of the tourmalade or not um if you think we're completely wrong about anything we've said and if you think someone else might win let us know that too we yeah you know where to find us the newsletter or at us on social media if you want to do that too. Um, all right, I'm going to end this now before I start rambling even more. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Next week, we will have a guest. It's Amelia Moberg, who is a newly retired rider that you've probably heard of. Uh, she raced for the Col and she's also of the family who run the Tour of Scandinavia slash Battle of the North, formerly the Ladies' Tour of Norway, of chicken suit wearing fame. So... We're gonna hear ask from her. We're gonna
1: ask her about oh chickens.
0: Yeah, what else is there to say? Just chickens. <laughs> no, we're gonna talk about her career, which has been very long, actually. Like she's got a lot of experience. Um we can talk about that race, of course. And what's next for her? So tune in next week if you wanna to listen to that. And thanks for joining in again. Bye. Bye. That beauty i a rich man